Hi, I'm Joel. And I'm Kishan. And this is Tea for Two. This is our BFF podcast where we talk about anything from science to popular culture, the arts, and life in Singapore. Hi everyone, it's me, Joel, a playwright and performer. And it's me, Kishan, a science educator. And welcome back to T42. It is our best friend podcast where yep, yep, we yep. talk about whatever the <gasps> frittata. Ooh, yum, yum, frittata yum. we want. Mm, is, is it like an egg potato thing? God, if I know. Yeah, it's some <laughs> kind of like, it's basically a quiche without a crust. <laughs> It's like the ultimate so, prissy brunch food. Yes, right? I'll have the vegan frittata. Oh my god, you're and vegan. Would you like a mimosa? Oh my god. That's it's only 11 a.m. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's amazing. So irritating. Um, yeah. Hi, Kishan. How are you this week? I'm good. I'm oh, good. Are you really good? <laughs> <laughs> are you really good? I mean, so we've all heard, right? Uh, have, have we all heard? By this point, I think we will have all heard By that. Then, um, what happened? Heard. The Royal Caribbean cruise got what? Uh, got someone that uh, went on the first run. I think it's the First one of the of the cruise, uh, kena COVID lah. Yeah, la. so someone on a cruise kena COVID, yeah. right? And, and it's I'm like, going on a cruise on Monday. Yeah, so our friend here is like happy, going happy. Been same talking, cruise. yeah, going on the same cruise, right? Mm. We've been talking about it for weeks now. <laughs> you know, flaunting in all our faces. Ah, let yeah. me just say, mm. so many uh, of our friends uh, texted me, you know, this morning saying like, "Hey, Kishore, you on the cruise? Are you on the cruise?" Oh, dear listeners, uh, even on Instagram. But my best friend here said, <laughs> is laughing and said, "I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast." <laughs> You know what? You know what? This is love, lah. Apparently, this is love. No, I'm just like I'm so over you and your stupid cruise. I mean, like I'm sorry that this has happened, but you can't deny that the timing is very funny. It's not like I bring it up every day, lah, sister. Uh, I do. <laughs> it is you. Anyway, dear listeners, you will have noticed that today is our thirtieth episode. Oh my god, thirty! Yeah, le. our podcast is a is an adult. It's a, oh, is it? It's an yeah, adult. Thirty has uh, our podcast has found herself. Uh, oh, for, you know, yeah, thirty you find yourself, find right? Yourself. Oh, find yourself. Find Let's not judge them. We don't know the gender of our podcast yet. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> they have yet to decide. Correct. Yeah, and uh, I think you will also have noticed something else, right? <gasps> what do you have noticed, Kisha? That's right. <laughs> our podcast uh, album art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes so Because you know like Even though we are not A famous podcast yet I think we have to put it Out in the universe I right? love that you keep Saying <laughs> yet So we, no, ha- we basically got A uh, lovely uh, We got a lovely Friend of ours Yeah Crispin Chan Who works in the name Crispy Photos And he does a lot of Photos for theatre And all, all sorts of um, uh, Events and stuff and yeah. He's an amazing Photographer That's right Yeah he took a Beautiful photo Of the two of us He at, actually conceptualised yeah, The whole idea correct. And All we had to do Was start out at Changi Village yeah, Exactly With and our equipment And people and were staring at us yeah. <laughs> Really work, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, worth it. I worth worth it. Worth. It's really beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I hope you do like our image. I hope it communicates something about our podcast. Correct. Yeah. And if you also don't know, we now have an Instagram account. That is right. Correct. At T for Two Podcast yes. on Instagram. I have no idea what we're gonna do with follow it. Follow us. Just follow us. Find so out as we find out what we want to do with yeah. it. <laughs> but I think it will be a good place to leave comments. You know, we always say like leave a comment, right? But now, like now, now you, you actually have a place. Ask, so don't say we never say ah. Uh, yeah, long. Yeah, don't say don't say we never create platform. Uh. Please follow. Thanks. Yeah, please follow. Make us famous. Make us famous. Correct. Make us famous. Eratum. Eratum. Mm, that's right, guys. It's eratum time. <laughs> 
<laughs> so basically, we were very excited to share the science on the last episode on HIV. I think we were a little bit too excited as two sisters tend to be. Yeah, talking and, about important issues. Correct. And then we were ex- excitement at the expense of clarity, unfortunately. So we just thought we want to clarify one bit uh, from that episode, from that bite-sized science on HIV AIDS. And that is uh, what it means to be HIV positive and undetectable. Because I think, like I said, we were a bit unclear. So when an HIV positive person is on antiretroviral therapy, their viral ro- their viral load rather becomes super suppressed that they are now classified as undetectable. Now undetectable doesn't mean that they don't have the virus. It just means that it's super super low. It can still be detected if they went for a viral load test, which an, which an HIV positive person will need to do now and then to make sure that the viral load is suppressed. But like I said, it doesn't mean that they don't have the virus in them. It just means it's super, super low. But I think we also want to emphasize what we said the last time, that undetectable means untransmittable. So a person, an HIV positive person with an undetectable viral load cannot transmit the virus. Yep. I hope that clarifies. Corrected. Correct. Alright, it's time for our mm. first segment of the day. Are you home? Shirley. Shirley, where are you? Shirley. Shirley went to the mall. Shirley go mall. Yeah, Shirley went Shirley to the mall. Shirley go shopping. Went shopping. Went H&M. Giordano. Oh, H&M. No, went Uniqlo. Uniqlo. Forgot the Uniqlo. It's a segment where we talk about an aspect of life in Singapore that either fascinates or horrifies us very often. Both. Both. And today Mm-mm. we're going to be discussing that great feature of the Singapore landscape, the, the mall. Jang, jang, jang. So this is basically, for those who don't know, this is like the shopping malls that we have in Singapore. We have so many shopping malls yeah, in it's Singapore. Like, I think like if you look at the number of malls you have in this country, uh, maybe it's more than hospitals. Yeah, la, that's I'm, a very obvious fact. I don't know why. I don't know why it, I said it, it in my right. head. It made a lot more sense. <laughs> Definitely a lot more than hospitals. Yeah, I mean yes. malls are more urgent than hospitals. La. Yeah, but don't you think that all malls look exactly like the other? Like, yeah, it's certainly when you go to a mall. Way, when you go yeah. to a mall, what 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 can you reliably find? Uh, food basement. <laughs> Correct, all the hoi polloi no, they really, put there, right? It's very, it's like, and it's not just like every mall got food basement, right? It's every mall got the same food basement. Yeah, the Tori Q. Tori Q. <laughs> I love Tori Q. Ah, <laughs> Tori Q. Then nowadays got what? Um, the Gone Bakery, yeah. uh, Japanese Bakery. Ah, like, is it? Yeah, it's either Prefer or Yamazaki. Oh or, yeah, yeah, I know or, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or someone's got Bangwan Solo. They also got Anjit Tan. Ah, <laughs> I seen that around, but like I don't know what it is. What is it? Is I it like a nasi lemak? Ah, nasi lemak curry rice situation. Mm, crave, crave nasi lemak. Yeah, crave nasi lemak. Yeah, so, yeah, some yamki, so yamki yeah. tau. So other than that, other than the food basement, which is reliably there, you are mm, right. First floor clothing. First of all, clothing ah. Usually, right? Like Actually, cheap yeah, clothing. Cheap, cheap clothing. clothing. Like Giordano, Baleno. No, maybe also got H&M. Ah, ah maybe small H&M. H&M. Small H&M. Right. And then as you go further up, it gets more and more... Like, dip- got specialised, right? Depends yeah. on the mall. Sometimes you go up and up, become tuition centre. Ah, correct, correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the neighbourhood one, right? The top floor is either aesthetician, right? Like, beauty treatment, or maid agency, correct. or travel agency, <laughs> tuition or tuition centre, or ballet. Correct. Yeah. But it's all very high up one. All high up yeah, one. Yeah, then correct. right below that is... Food court. Food court. <laughs> correct, correct. Kopitiam. Yeah. Kofu. Then somewhere, if it's Republic. a Heartland Mall, there is a sh- oh, uh, NTUC. Yeah, like yeah. A, like but that's usually at the basement. Store. That's usually at the basement. That's usually at the basement, yeah. yeah. And then like up uh, level two, level three, you got electronic shops, sure. travel shops. It's la. all the same, you know? Yeah. It blows my mind that we keep making more and more malls. Yeah. And it's like, so 
I think this is why going to the mall is so depressing, right? Because it's like you go anywhere in Singapore, the mall is the same one. It's like it is yeah, like it's, it's like, fucking same. Yeah, actually, the theory here is that right. I think I read this somewhere that um the way the new towns were designed. Yeah. So they all started coming up in the 90s. Sure. Uh, starting out with the 80s, the earlier ones, right? And then like the new towns started popping out in the 90s. And then okay. the, the newer ones still are in the 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all designed to be so self-sufficient that you would never mm-hmm. have to leave. And true enough, you don't, right? That's so, true. So look at the, the design of your new town. It's like you have a train station. Next to the train, st- train station, got what? Mall. mall. Not yeah. even one, sometimes three. Like, Tampani's yeah. got three fucking malls around the train station. Tampani's is a bit of an aberration. It is la. an aberration. But yeah. I know of friends who live in Tampani's, right? And they tell me, like, oh, yeah, I, I never visit, or I haven't gone to, like, town in, like, a month. Because you don't need to. Because you don't need to. Yeah, in fact, Tampani's, the Tampani's cluster of malls, right, is as comprehensive as, it is. as Orchard Road. And if right? you work in that particular, like, that area, like, some of my friends are teachers and mm. they, like, teach neighborhood schools in Tampani's, they never have to leave. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. That's why Orchard Road is declining, you know what I mean? That's true. Because it's like, like you, you don't really need to go to town anymore yeah. to get what you need. Like you really, the only reason you will go to central is for work. If you do that kind of work, yeah. Or maybe a slightly more like atas dinner, for sure. example. Or you're looking for a very special specialities kind of gift or shop or like, thing. Like, you like know, what though, like a Patek Philippe watch. Oh right, you know that, yeah. that sort yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. then you might need to go to Orchard. Yeah. Or if you just want to like be like be crowded around like a bunch of tourists. <gasps> I really yeah. hate going to Orchard. Same. Yeah, I, I, it's something that I do not enjoy. I do not enjoy being in the, the fact that uh, being in so many people, uh, this huge crowd. Yeah, you know? and there's Ugh. something about wandering up and down Orchard Road that it just doesn't feel enjoyable. There's something about yeah. the mall experience, the retail experience there that is very dry. It's very, yeah. because it's so samey to what you can find everywhere else on the island. There's sure. something special about Orchard. Nope. It's just crowded. People shuffling around like, mm. um, you know, like zombies. And then it's hot. And then like the, 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 the there's very little character to the area. It's true. It didn't used to be this way though. Yes, yeah. it didn't. Last time I remember like going to Orchard or going to Dobigot. I remember my mother would take us to oh Dobigot. The old plaza scene. The old plaza scene. Oh, remember, with the, remember the sculptures inside? Yes. The beautiful, inside, got, m- inside got Yao Han. Yao Han! Yeah. Got so like, Rosa. Correct. Ah. My, my parents would take us there and it, as my mum especially and we would love it. You know, mm. we were like, oh, I wear my like nice little shirt and Correct. then we would go as if it's like some mega outing. Because you, I, I, I think it has to do with the fact that back when we were kids, right, there weren't that many malls you know what Agreed. I mean and whenever there was a new mall it was really an event right yep. because it's like I mean I can't speak to that because I wasn't that conscious then right mm. but as a kid malls and my you know going to the mall really did feel like a an activity mm-hmm. something you would like and each mall had its own character in a yes, way like, I remember definitely right Plaza Sing had a very specific character. Yeah, I do. Remember there used to be this indoor uh, fun fair? Yes. Yes, right? Remember? Oh, oh my God. There what was a like, time to be alive. It was quite high level. <laughs> la. There was like uh indoor, oh, it's not a roller coaster, but this little train, yeah. like horror, horror train, right? And then there were all these like very fun things. Plaza Sing had a distinct character to it. It did. Yeah, even yeah. Suntech had a character to it back then. Yeah. Right now Suntech's character is get lost in me. Yeah, like, correct. <laughs> you cannot it's come out one. You right? go in, you cannot come it's out. It's really like, you get very easily, um, Suntech is a very sad mall. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I think it's a bit too cavernous. Yeah. Like, I mean, so empty. many of these orchard malls have really gone the way of the dinosaur. Yeah, but you know, what is your favourite mall? Um, it used to be Center Point, believe it or not. Center yeah, 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 yeah. Point? It used to be Center Point before it went decrepit like, because my mom used to go there a lot right for right. the Robinsons so you know last time Centerpoint had a lot of character one is it? they had one of the best cold storages in town in the basement the cold storage there oh. was very well stocked very and, and Centerpoint was like very well fitted out mm. it was very well visited there was mm. a lot of footfall right now it's just like a husk of itself right 
That's a shame. Yeah, but now my favorite mall, I think, has to be Funan, I think. Oh, the new one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the new la. Funan. The new Funan. Yeah, Even yeah, the yeah. old Funan was quite nice, but the new Funan. The old Funan is like a place you go to to get like very specific speciality computer things, which yeah. is lovely, no, no, right? Now I still go there because I, I love electronics, as you well know. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. really do, yes. And Funan's very good for that. Plus, they have a theater inside, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, and a rock wall where there are a lot of cuties climbing. <laughs> I love to just like perv on the on the rock. Oh, you just yeah. stand there and just stand there. Like, oh. It's like, oh, uh, I'm lost. I'm looking for the theater. Could <laughs> someone assist the young playwright? <laughs> yeah. Take in the view, Take as, in the you, view. As, you, mm, as you like mm, all the yeah. armpits. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're not a famous podcast. Yeah, this is why we're not a famous <laughs> podcast. It was your favorite mall. Actually, it is still Plaza Singapura. So because ah. uh, I unfortunately, even though I hate going to Orchard, I go to Orchard almost every single day. Mm. Of the school year because it's near school because school is near because you teach at Orchard Secondary School yeah I teach yeah. at Orchard Secondary School <laughs> Orchard Orchard Boys School <laughs> <laughs> so I teach in a school near Orchard right so I have to bypass Orchard every day and I find myself going through the all the malls and I always end up at Plaza Sing because there's a lovely cold storage below there's also very nice small foodie stuff downstairs ah, and yes. then now there's an extension yeah. to Plaza Sing which I enjoy I like the food there I only go to malls for food right? I don't go to malls to, like right. do other things Plaza Sing is I don't know I feel like. I still like I it. I feel yeah. sad that it's no longer what it used to be because I remember as of a course, kid uh. it had such memories for me, and now I feel the mall's gonna be dry. Yeah, yeah. The extension's okay. <laughs> extension's okay. So it's okay. It's okay. okay. It's whatever lah. But the aircon in Plaza Singh, I will maintain, is the best in Orchard Road. <laughs> what you've done a survey? No, uh. I have. I have. Because like, I, I, I love doing that walk from Plaza Singh down Somerset towards Orchard. I love walking. Ah, yeah, so yeah, I will yeah. do that walk right or back. Of uh, in the opposite direction. So right. I, whenever I end up in Plaza Sing, I always feel this incredible curtain of aircon. It's mm. the best. It's the best one. Do which? Oh, uh, so okay lah. Okay, good, good, good. Good yeah. to know. This mm. is like you know tips. Yeah, never tips and tricks. Before, right? mm. Exactly. Mm. You know, like I was saying to you earlier before we started recording today, right? Like when you go to shopping areas in other parts of the world, like yeah, say Soho in New York, for example, or like Paris, or, or you know these kinds of cities, right? Right. Which are described as shopping paradises in the mm-hmm. same way Singapore is. Mm-hmm. Like it makes you wonder why is Singapore called a shopping paradise? Mm-hmm. Because it's like the shopping experience here is so like unexciting. You know what I mean? It's like the it's very manicured yeah, the shopping la. areas in 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 you know in other cities tend to have a lot of character. You you the shops have a lot of character. They're kind of kooky. You never really know what you're gonna mm. find. Next to like a kitchenware shop, you might find a bookshop, that kind of thing. And it's all along a street and it's flat, right? Whereas here everything is kind of like stacked on itself because we don't have space, space and the malls are so uniform because of the way mm. the city's been planned. So it just feels like very functional. Sure. Yeah. So it's like the only you know when you think of a nice place to shop in Singapore, right? Mm. You're thinking maybe Parts of Tiong Bahru. Yeah, that's exactly like, what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. we're thinking parts of Arab Street, right? But Correct. by and large, that is not the shopping experience in Singapore. The shopping experience is like you walk into a big building and then you just meander around the floors and you see the same shops in every is mall. Is that not the shopping experience in Singapore? Because I think the shopping experience is that. Like when we look, when we look at, uh, oh, let's go shopping. I think it's not just going to a mall. It's not just going to like Ion Orchard or whatever. Right. Now some people are like, oh, I want to go shopping along... Uh, Arab Street. Really? I, I I think it depends on what you want to do and where you want to... Right. What, what do you want to find? Right. Right? Fair. Yeah, so I think these things do exist. Right. Yeah. I know, I'm just trying to get to the heart of why I find malls so depressing. And I think it reminds me of this time I was at Thompson Plaza, which is an, oh, another great old-timey yeah, mall. Yeah, it's very that, old-timey, man. Yeah. Uh, we used to go there a lot as kids because like oh. they used to have a Yao Han there. Oh, yeah, my mom uh, loved Yao Han. So and Daimaru, you remember Daimaru? Yeah, I remember ah. Daimaru. Oh my oh, goodness, the nostalgia. Anyway, <laughs> um, there was a pet shop at uh, Thompson Plaza, right? Oh. And I once and I I love pet shops as a kid. Then I, I I remember once as a kid seeing a tank full of terrapins. You know, like the small little turtles. Yeah. Except that it was a tank full of water. 
and they were just swimming frantically and there was no land for them to go and rest. And from what I understand of terrapins, they require some landing pad, right? They should they're not, lie, they're not, They're not fish, mm. right? So there they were just scrabbling, scrabbling, scrabbling in the water, right? With no land to go and like, you know, rest Birth. or whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, so that image has stuck with me all of these years, you know, almost like 20 plus years, I keep returning to that image over and over again. And that's what I feel like in a mall. Oh my god, that's horrifying. Yeah, it's like you're just like wandering like the like 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 the the, the flying Dutchman, you know, through this mm. fog of like uh capitalism and like the, the spaces are not conducive for resting. They aren't they yeah. aren't conducive for sitting and being with people or reading or relaxing, you know. By and large when you're in a mall, and mind you, the malls take up such a huge real estate in our urban landscape, right? But so much of our urban landscape is deaf, the comfortable parts of our urban landscape, which is air condition right uh, is capitalism la. so you yep. can't you have to spend money if you want to sit down Correct. you have to spend money if you want to gather with friends yeah, there, are, you, there are no natural open inverted commas like sitting places in malls like, you're right you're very right. Without few ha- right without having yeah. to spend money la. yeah um, and you know to take up space in a mall is to pay money la. and that exactly. makes sense right because but like, that's the function yeah. of the mall right? so that's why it's there if I'm capital and I'm not going to design a mall so that people can just sit around and do whatever they want so right? what is your ideal mall no, then you see that's why I like Funan because there's a lot of space where people can just gather and sit and do things is you, there there is you know those t- the tiered steps oh that's and then, true and you know upstairs they've got this fabulous garden it's yes, a, there's a fabulous rooftop garden at Funan. Correct. I think that's because Funan is one of the newest malls, mm. right? There is, and I think that's where the government is tr- heading. Towards. I don't know if the government designed the mall, la, but like fair enough. Yeah, but it does, uh, you're right. I think it reflects but, a sen- sensibility. Yeah. Yeah. Correct, because like, people are going like, okay, the mall, the, the idea of a mall is changing. We mm. now need to incorporate how people live. In, yeah, live. Yeah. This urban, the interaction, urban landscape interaction with people. We need to create spaces for people to interact. It's unfortunate that this has happened at a time of COVID, right. where we now have to yeah. manipulate, like, you know, negotiate that as well. But whatever. So I think a good example of this is the Al Tampanese Hub. Oh, fabulous, yeah. Right? So Al Tampanese Hub is this uh, is this one-stop shop for everything in Tampanese. It it's, has a sports... A, it's a massive sports stadium. Yeah, it's a massive sports stadium. It, it has it food houses, outlets. Yeah, the food outlets. It's, it houses the library, yes. the public library. Exactly. There's even an HDB office there. And there's basically a bunch of places for people to just sit down and gather, gather so, interact. So, you know, you see kids rehearsing dances, rehearsing school things there, studying. There's an open-air yeah. uh, movie area as old well. Old people sitting around and talking to each other. Did you say... Oh yeah, and then like movie screenings for the public, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and I feel it's a park. Doesn't make sense. It's like a built-up urban. Yeah, yeah. Park it's la. like how in you know in in other cities where the weather is not so harsh, yeah. you know, the parks are a nice place to gather and do these things, right? But we don't necessarily have that relationship the weather because we hate <laughs> we hate our weather. It's very hot. So like <laughs> the sh- we need more sheltered places like this where yeah. people can just gather in a pressure-free way. Correct. To just gather you know yeah so the first time I went there I was I I was I didn't know a place like that could exist in mm. Singapore so as I walked there I was like oh it's just the stadium you almost don't know how to use it yes right? correct yeah. so and I walked there I, I, I thought it was a stadium because it was the stadium mm. right and then so I walked in thinking okay this is how this is a stadium but then I saw food places I saw mm. a cinema I saw HTV I was like what is this and mm. I saw people just sitting down there and just talking and I was like what you, this you, is great you are the restless therapist yeah I was the restless therapist right. until I learned that oh there is a rock here I yeah. can just settle it's on it's like can I is it real yeah is it real eh? tap 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 correct oh, it's real so I think we need to relook at malls stop building malls but I, no, I or, like the idea yeah, of this uh, I, I think hub like, thing. if these malls by dint of the fact that we need them are going to take up so much real estate in our in our urban landscape. I think they need to be doing more than just selling things Agreed. to people. Yeah, it's like 
actually, you know, even before this, right, public libraries are very much that space that we are describing, right? You could just go in and sit down and read and relax. But or like, use the I public think, toilet. Or use the public toilet, which I do a lot. <laughs> yeah, me right? too. But I think now, but the public library feels like a bit like single use if you think about it. Yeah, right? correct. Yeah. So I think even public libraries, the designs of that have changed over the years to include more F&B spaces, more commercial spaces, more meeting spaces. So I feel like this is a good direction. Yeah. Right. And I think like, um, you know, these like um, commercial spaces need to also include more of these spaces, which is why I love Funan so much. Like, have you ever been to the rooftop garden? Yeah, I have once. It's la. fabulous. Mm. It's fabulous. Like, oh, edible garden. It smells so great. And you get yeah. a great view of the city. It's like, you know, walking through Funan, you sometimes get a vision of what the city could the capabilities be. of the city, the, the right? Capabilities of the city, like, and I think architecture always exists to project the aspirations a place has for itself, mm. right? It meets needs, but it also projects, you know, yeah, a, a, it looks it, a glimpse into the future, in, yeah, in, in a glimpse a of the future yeah. or like a higher version of what we could all, yeah. be. And I think that you know, it's about time our malls caught up with that. Here's huh? to the future, to the future. If COVID doesn't get us first, <laughs> la. Uh, now you're the one going on. I go on cruise. Yeah. <laughs> Now it's time for lukewarm takes with two elder millennials. That's us. Talk about something that's happening in the world. Oh, and what's happening in the world today? Mm, today we're talking about they, them pronouns. Jang, jang, jang. Everybody's scared. Don't know how to react. Don't know how to react. So yeah. I guess we could start off with Joel, you telling us a little bit about what non binary identity yeah, is. Yeah, okay. So, like, the whole they, them pronoun thing, right? Right. Is it, it centers around people who identify as non-binary, which mm-hmm. we, and one and you know this there's, there's many ways into this. Uh, people who are non-binary basically don't subscribe to the gender binary or feel that their gender identity doesn't match with um, either either you know either end. So they are of, outside of this. Yeah, they, some people dichotomy. Yeah, some people, I've heard people describe it as opting out of gender. Mm. I've, I've, descri- I've heard people describe it as uh, existing in a fluid space between. Uh, I've heard that one. Um, yeah. Binary ends between male and female, right? Uh, and I've heard of people who just um, think of it as like a a, a a a completely different kind of gender identity that is not constrained basically by correct the binary. You know, if you think about it in dimensions, this is like the another dimension to think about, like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. like stepping yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I guess then, for them. The pronouns he, him, she don't make sense. Uh, don't make sense. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not here today to kind of give a lecture about non-binary no, 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 identity of course, because of I'm not non-binary. I'm cis. Neither am I. Uh, I yeah. use he, him pronouns. Same. So do I. You. Yeah. I think what's interesting to me is like since moving back to Singapore, right? I've noticed that I got used to using when I was living abroad. I got used to. Um, you know, people using they them pronouns a lot because yeah. the majority of my, the vast majority of my friendship circle in London were all queer people. Many of them non-binary, trans yep. non-binary, and like it just became very second nature to me. Um, and I didn't question it very much, right? Because there was a very supportive environment for that right. kind of language. But then since coming back here, I've noticed that the uptake has been much. Um, there's a lot more resistance to the idea, basically, and a lot of right. discomfort surrounding the use of they them pronouns. And a lot of younger queers now are beginning to. Adopt this uh, language for themselves, right? And and right. I think. Don't you think it's also because people don't know about the data and pronouns? I'm not talking about the younger queers. The younger queers are quite plugged in. They really know. But I'm talking about the older people. Not even just queers. Older people. They might not know about data and pronouns at all. Right. They might. They, they literally. It's just not in the consciousness. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then like suddenly, can you imagine like you're this person who who, who has very, you know a kind of very cursory knowledge of gender theory and hasn't really had to think about gender very much in in one's in life life. and then coming. Yeah. 
coming up with this like Gen Z trans non-binary kid who goes like, uh, actually, I use they damn pronouns, yeah. right? And then that clash of encounters, just the complete yeah. inability to that comprehend clash that. clash of, of like grammar. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what do you mean? You mean them as in multiple people? Exactly. Yeah, so like the grammatical argument actually, is, I, I, I understand it because it sounds counterintuitive to describe a single person and, in the plural and in the right. plural but actually in English maybe in, not in other languages in English there's a very deep historical precedent for this like the day the day as a singular pronoun is not new to the English language I didn't know this yeah it's like oh. it's like in very common right when you don't know um, the gender of someone or you don't know who this person is you would say you would say they, they. Ah, yes, right? yes, so yes. it's like for example um, the courier is going to come at 2pm they'll probably they're, be they're probably, well, they're probably well, going to well, be well. here they're going to probably charge you $5 for you know it. what you're right yeah. so it's not it doesn't not exist it, it's just it's, it's, it's a pronoun that's always existed to describe ambiguity over the exact identity of the yeah. person you're speaking about yeah. so people saying like oh it's it's ungrammatical. Actually, that's not true. It mm. exists in our language, mm. right? So the the resistance is more conceptual. I think it's a resistance to the idea. I think that people can identify um, outside of outside this of dichotomy. The, outside the dichotomy is this. I think like even when even people who are very open to transness and trans identity think of it in a very binary way, right? It's like oh, you transition from. Um, woman to man that kind of thing right so it's oh, <laughs> just shifting along one end of the spectrum to the other and then it's like oh okay now you fit in one yeah. right? but then like once you come in with this slightly more uh, protean identity this slightly sure. more like messy not messy but slightly more ambiguous one yeah. hard to pin down non-binaristic one then mm. it's called like oh is it real? I the older generation that sort of stumble on this, I, I don't, think. I, I, okay, older generation, sure, yes. I mean, in the same way you that don't the old, think, you don't I agree? Think, no, in the same way that the old generation stumbles over everything, sure, to, to yeah, do yeah. with queerness, right? No, no, that's true. Yeah, but, I mean, they are still. I mean, older generation are still people who ask how do gay men do it. You know, so yeah, we're yeah, stuck at this, that conceptual level. Sort of things, but, but it's like I've observed, this among, I've observed this amongst people who. In our generation, ah. even who are you know like generally quite progressive and forward leaning, of uh, uh, progressive leaning, and uh, and and you know very okay with like uh, very okay mm. with like uh, queer people and very supportive, right? Mm. But like I, 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 the stumbling always seems to be around the use of they them pronouns, right? Yeah, because they think it is just a bit of a leche thing, a troublesome ah, thing I to do. I think that's one. It? That's one thing I've heard from people that's very like, huh, really must man. It's like oh, like yeah, I'm not used to it lah. You know, I'm not used to it, lah. Then it's like, uh, oh, yeah, now I go to learn. And it's like very weird, lah. It sounds very weird. Okay, I have yeah. to admit, it took me a while mm. to get the hang of. And mm. at some point, I actually thought, okay, this is a bit troublesome, and mm. I need to. But the follow up conversation for that was, I didn't stop. As this, this is troublesome. Like this is troublesome. This is my problem. I need to sort of fix my way of thinking about this. Yeah. Okay, sometimes combined with this attitude that the non-binary person who is asking to be called by their name pronouns is being a bit irritating. You know what I mean? It's, oh? being, it's being a bit extra. I, I, I mean, I've heard it in conversation here where it's just like, oh, really? It's, <gasps> I think sometimes that I feel and I, 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 in, in, in things I've observed that there is generally a suspicion of people who claim that non-binary and there is a there is a okay. there is a scepticism I think as there is generally a skepti- there's always a kind of scepticism that lingers around trans people you know, but they- do you think this is a scepticism that largely resides in people that are much older I don't think this scepticism exists in 20s to 30s for example no, I think I have, a bit more open I have heard amongst people in our age group just being fairly dismissive of um of the trans like, of non-binary people trans, like, and the oh, and the use of they pronouns mm. it's, it's like it's a kind of like 
uh, we don't use it here. This is a Western thing. Oh you know? gosh, I've heard arguments like that, or it's a very like um, we know this person uses they them pronouns, but we're just going to say he or she anyway because that's the, the <gasps> yeah. I've heard that, and you know, it's 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 just a kind of flippancy around people's mm. pronouns mm. that I think comes from there not being a strong enough vanguard of people who are right. actively saying, look, you know, this is this is the way we identify. Correct. Uh, and I think like, I mean, it, it's, it's, it comes with an equal number of people who are very well-meaning mm. and who are very like willing to go there mm. uh, and who may stumble, you know. Yeah. And I think it's generally a, a, a steep learning curve for everybody here because mm-hmm. like queer culture here is very different. Mm. But like there is a mix, lah, I feel, of skepticism, suspicion, right. uh, embarrassment. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's a strange terrain. That's why I'm It noticed. is. Yeah. I think like one of the pushes um, that you see a lot of people doing, like a lot of people in um, organizations and corporations mm. do this, right? Which is to normalize um, putting your pronouns in in a public way. And this is actually something that I've not been good at. Doing. Oh, like Instagram, yeah. right? Yeah. For example, like, you know, um, you know, ending your email with like, your pronouns like Good, but it's yeah. like I've heard people describe even that as a kind of virtue signaling you know what I mean so I, it's, it's a strange reticence that I, I can't put my finger on right yeah, they, it's, like, it's like oh do we have to be so public about it but then really the argument for doing things like that is like it's helping to create a culture where we normalize people thinking about each other's pronouns yeah. so that people who use um, slightly less typical pronouns or slightly more they like, feel, they might, feel yeah, better they to feel, put it up they right? feel like yeah okay I can just put it out there yes you know? so you know who used to do it and then after the elections it got taken down this is a bit of a of a read Ooh. so <laughs> Raisa Khan, Khan Raisa Khan and Jameis Lim ah. both put their pronouns as um, she, her and he, him, him respectively right. after the elections or during the elections it's no longer there. I have to check. That's but I so think strange that yeah. that would happen. I wonder what the criticism of that was. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, like, since this speaks to our society, right? Like, yeah. it's, you see what I mean? There's a reticence and skepticism surrounding it that I can't put a finger on, right? It's very, like, I think what it is is that, like, oh, do we now all have to consider the pronouns that we use to describe ourselves? Mm. This part of our language that hitherto was just, like, second nature now we actually have to become more conscious about it it's like leche la, like you say and I All think right. it's just this like but I, I, I think that on the other hand when you weigh on balance the extension is making to people who have anxiety about that pronouns my aim is you know I think it's like worthwhile Right. right. So like, I was recently in a rehearsal process for my play Cafe, right, which was on at the Wild Rice Director's Residency where, mm-hmm. the, where when we were introducing each other to the company we all started with like our pronouns which I think was interesting because like, I never actually I realised I'd never done that in Singapore before yeah. and it's very common practice in different parts of the world really with more robust kinds of like queer of course, queer of scenes, course. right yeah. uh, and a lot of workplaces have sense. normalised people talking about their pronouns at the start uh, so that was interesting because one of our cast members uh, Anne Stroy, uh is non-binary, non-binary. and so I, I guess to kind of create a safe environment for them we, yeah. we, we all you, you know we all talked about our pronouns at the start la. which that, is great right yeah so it's, it's all about access. It's because all it's, about you know, you know what that space. does, right? It becomes that thing of like, so the person, the the, the, the non-binary person doesn't have to go, uh, actually guys, I use they, them pronouns. It's very like, if everybody shares their pronouns, then they can just like, come Correct. Up. Yeah. But then what do you say about, so because sometimes now it's very vogue to be, you know, it's yeah, very vogue so to be I think uh, that's androgynous co- and correct. very vogue to have non-binary pronouns. So then how do you navigate that space? Because all these, all I think these people are doing, all these people who think that it's fashionable, right? It's just not creating a great space for people who are actually non-binary. I mean, I've read and heard this, this conversation comes up a lot, right? About, and we've explored it on the podcast and other episodes about how yeah. like, um, uh, 
taking a critical stance or a, or, or, or a subversive stance to gender has become a kind of mainstream aesthetic. Yes, right? It's it become has. kind of trendy. Um, you know, that I think that certainly exists, but it's if that feeds into a general skepticism about people who about non-binary identity or trans identity, I think that's a problem. Yeah. You know, I've, I have so many friends in the UK when I was first getting to know them, I, I didn't really understand, but over, as I got to know them more and more and as we had more and more open or vulnerable and honest conversations, I realized, oh, really? You know, as a cis person, I can't access that space mentally because that's not my identity, but you really do have a very different gender identity to me and um, it's 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 something that I can't put a finger on because I I, I don't inhabit that space. Oh, that's but like, I respect that this is and I respect and honor mm. what you do feel, right? And to just kind of brush off the entire thing as tr- a trend problem because sure that exists, but yeah. you know it's 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 you can't sweep the whole thing yeah. under the rug. Because I think that's that's super interesting because what what you had in London it, uh, with uh, your friends being non-binary was that opportunity to dig deep with them yeah. and to actually understand what their gender landscape was and what gender identity was to them. Yeah. And I think a lot of people here, as with many things, we are so scared to talk about certain things. We're yeah. so... Uh, or we feel that we, these we, are things to, that actually just, nothing to talk just, about. Or we just tread around eggshells. Exactly. Slash, I think the, the, the landscape here is so uh, antagonistic that I think a lot of people get into unpleasant encounters over these things. Yeah, almost immediately. Yeah, in like, fact. I think people become defensive yeah. and people become aggressive and like it's not a conducive environment to have vulnerable and honest com- honest conversations about these things, which I think is is detriment to everyone yeah. involved, right? So it always boils down to the same thing. Every time we talk about things where people tend to get go into conflict with, the mm. first thing is to just always shut up and listen. Yeah. Right? If you are the person for whom you have a majority point of view, right? Mm. Just shut up and listen first. Yeah. And then maybe open up your mind to it. And I think you had that opportunity to do that in your with, with your queer friends, with your yeah. non-binary friends. I mean, yeah. And that's priceless, Honestly, you know? I would just say like queerness is such a great gift because I remember my flatmate um, who runs a queer cabaret night asking me when we first met, oh, what pronouns do you use? And I was so taken aback by that question because I'd never been asked that question before in my life. And now it's become more commonplace. But it made me think for the first time, oh, actually, what pronouns do I use? And then, like, I sat down and thought, hmm, what would it mean for me to, like, think about using they, them pronouns? Like, what would it, what aspects of my identity, what aspects of my personhood would it actually activate, right? And I thought, there, there are parts of me that are not, that are a little blur around the edges when it comes to gender, right? It's the fact that, like, you know, when I was doing drag, for example, it opened up, it opened that, a, a lot of that up for me. And, that uh, you know, I'm, I'm very femme, Mm. Even though I'm a cis man, right? Like, you know, there's there's aspects of this where I do... the aspects of my life where I do feel like gender is not so absolute for me. Uh, but it was being asked that question that made me think about this a lot. Yeah. Which now makes me very empathetic when people do say that they use certain pronouns because I'm just like, yeah, I can access that space with you. Not I can't go all the way because I think ultimately I am this like cis person. Still cis lah. Yeah, mm. but like uh, I, can, I can go part of the way with you and I'll try my best, right? And I think like that's it lah, really. Um... And I wish I wish more of that here. And I wish I, you know what I think one of the big problems with queer discourse in this country is that even amongst queer people, so many of us feel that stuff comes from the West. Does yeah, that make sense? I agree. It's yeah. like we think that you know, like society, conservative society at large here thinks that homosexuality and gay rights is a Western phenomenon. But even mm-hmm. within queer communities, we feel that certain trends or certain movements or certain ideas are inherently Western in nature. Mm. It, all you need to do is remember, you know, Southeast Asian culture and its fluid relationship with gender to, to realize that actually 
maybe this this is not so correct. Yeah. You know, the gender non-binaryness has been yeah. around for ages. ages. Like yeah. there are deep, there's a deep heritage in this part of the world yes. of like More non-binary so. identity. Maybe not by that name, mm. uh, and maybe the the language is different. Yeah. But you know, it's definitely not a Western thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I I'm just like glad that this is now in the conversation again. I guess. All right, time for our third and final segment, Bite Size Science! Yum, 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 yum! It's the segment in which our resident science expert, Kishin Kumar Singh, gives yes, us me. some bite-sized science to help us with 21st century living! Yes, 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 So, what are we discussing in the world of science today? Today, we are going to talk about lab-grown meat! <laughs> Can I just say that lab-grown meat sounds like a kind of like vaguely sexual, vaguely gay uh, <laughs> fetish activity? Well, no, <laughs> this is not what we're going to talk about. So, recently, I I think it was big in the news here in Singapore and also around the world actually that a US uh, food technology startup called Eat Just Eat Just like eat you know, like eat um justly you know like just not just eats but no, eat just, no Eat right? Just yes received the green light by the Singapore government. Uh, to sell lab-grown chicken. Ooh. Sell lab-grown chicken meat here in Singapore. As in the product? Okay. Yeah. So uh, this is a watershed moment because it's the first time lab-grown meat uh, is being sold anywhere. In the world? In the world. Anywhere. Wait, wait, wait. So Singapore's the first? The first. Wow, Marikita that, leh. That's, a, that's why it was such a big thing, not oh, only in Singapore, but I around the world. That, I missed that part of the headline. So yeah. is Singapore's the first place in the world to authorize the sale uh, yes. of lab-grown chicken. Lab-grown chicken meat. Wow. Yeah, lab-grown chicken oh, meat. Oh, lab-grown chicken meat. Meat. Yeah. Wow. Because it doesn't come in like a breast. It comes in like mince. It will be produced in the lab as like a mince. Okay, I'm sure you will explain yeah, this. Yeah, I will explain yeah. this. So, so because it's such a big thing, right? It's such a watershed moment. I thought, let's break it down a little bit. Mm, yeah. Into its protein compound. Mm. <laughs> so what is lab-grown meat? As the name suggests. Yeah. It is basically... It's a gay sex act. It's a gay sex act. Yeah. <laughs> So lab-grown meat is basically meat grown in a lab, okay? So the meat is grown from a cell sample, uh, in this case, uh, from chicken from, from a chicken cell, and it's obtained from a chicken by a biopsy. So ah. essentially, you, you do this biopsy on a chicken, you grab, take a bunch of its cells, and then you culture it in a medium, and voila, you get a bunch of cells that eventually grow and grow and grow to become minced chicken. <laughs> so you can see that if we grow meat in a medium, in a lab, right, uh, essentially the chickens are not slaughtered. And if we can just do this on mass, like we can produce a bunch of chicken meat that you can then cook. Wow. Yeah. I I remember seeing a documentary about this, but very early on, the, the science was still very shaky around Absolutely, it. you're and right. now they're actually selling products. Yeah. The, wow. The, the, uh, the, it's being produced and for sale in Singapore. La. So, as uh, you were talking about the medium, right? Yeah, so, yeah, they, yeah. Grow, they grow in a special nutrient fluid medium. Is it thoughts and prayers? And I, <laughs> <laughs> right. satanic ritual. It's thoughts and prayers. It's satanic ritual. <laughs> you put the, the cell sample and then you... Then you like black And then we're like... Gross! That sounds terrible! Sorry, sorry. Please continue with your science. Continue with science, yeah. So why is this even a thing? So this is obviously a thing because it boils down to two reasons. The first is ethical treatment of animals. We have all seen the horrible documentaries where yeah, like yeah. a chicken is like killed in like the most horrible way or they yes. live in like the most horrible conditions. Correct. So, you know, animal rights activists have been up in arms about this. So if we care if we produce meat in this manner, 
we tend to reduce mm. uh, animal cruelty, which is excellent. The second reason for this is uh, sustainability. Mm. You know, um, especially with regards to climate change. Yeah, of course. Livestock uh, accounts for 15, 15.15% right. of all uh, greenhouse gas emissions and that can be quite and it, it a requires a massive amount of water to sustain that kind of and livestock. Land. Yeah, Absolutely and land, yeah. yeah. So it's it's quite a big thing. So if lab, if meat was going in labs, all this kind of mm. not disappear, but reduces, right. you know, so it, it's excellent. Yes. Yeah. It's also an interesting way to kind of like help human beings transition towards a more plant-based diet because we have to acknowledge that human beings love meat, right? But rather than substituting meat or eradicating it, it's like, oh, let's find creative, scientific, technological ways to get you your meat. Exactly. So there's something there's something overall very kind of like ooh shiny Elon Musky about this. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great lah. I yeah. think I think this is like a territory of food that is just amazing, you know, that I never but I'm just curious I about go I, I don't know if you were gonna go into it, but what mm. actually is the science of like making meat out of a cell? Like if you is there a, a simple way to explain so this? So basically it's like stem cells just basically uh if you put cell in a nutrient medium, uh they get energy from the nutrient medium and then they just Duplicate because that's what cells want to do, right? They just duplicate, 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 duplicate. Oh. And if you just make sure you duplicate the correct type of cells, like if you, for example, chicken, maybe the muscle fiber right. and certain fat cells, and then you get what you would consume as right. chicken. So you t- could technically grow any kind of meat, really, like beef or lamb or human meat. So far, what's been done is uh, beef, but this company that's uh, gotten licensed to sell meat in Singapore, only chicken. Right. Yeah, and the chicken is very specific. You have to, uh, the chicken is made to be chicken bites or like chicken nuggets. Oh, so, so it's like yeah, it, you can't produce like a cut of the chicken, for example. So basically, they grow like a, a kind of meat mush, la. like mince, la. So and then like, they and then mm. they turn that that product into nugget, lor. A nugget because nugget is easy, la. Right, but baby steps, la. Baby steps, baby steps, la, yeah. exactly. So speaking of baby steps, how new is this mm. technology? Right, actually, it started in two thousand and one with oh, that's a long time ago. NASA, NASA, yeah, because they wanted to make meat for their astronauts. Oh, I thought like for the Mars, the Mars mission. <laughs> It's you like, know, when maybe. you land on Mars, how are you going to get chicken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You culture these cells. <laughs> how long does the process take? I'm curious. I have no idea. Uh, so because it'd be good to know like how long and how much... You see, the resources that go into producing 100 grams of this meat you right. know, at the end of the day. It's all... A lot of it is very hush-hush because of IP because there's a lot of competing uh, companies trying to one-up one another <laughs> because it's, I can it's, ma- a, it's a mine. Yeah, it's can, a gold mine. I can like. imagine there's like a little room in like uh, <laughs> A-star somewhere where they're just growing chicken. <laughs> Like, and they just like f- cracked it already. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. La. And the yeah. chickens can fly or something. That's, uh, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, they're dead. No, it's, mince, dead. it's, it's just mint, sister. <laughs> so, in, uh, like I said, in, in NASA uh, 2001, then in 2013, uh, if you remember this, uh, tasters were actually invited to try the first ever cultured hamburger in London. Yes. Yeah. And that went lukewarmly mm. because like people say that oh okay there is a there's a distinct meatiness about it that reminds people of beef but they had issues with and I quote uh, texture the texture and flavour profile was a bit off specifically right. to do with the fat content that's, that's, that's what I was going to say because like actually as a cook right I know this the, the flavour of meat doesn't come from the protein it comes from the way the meat has been f- had is it, it has been worked over the life of the animal. So you know the more the more succulent parts of the animal are the parts that tend not to get very worked. Correct. So like the cheeks, for example, or the thighs are have more blood in them, mm, for example, mm. because they are more, more active, vascularized. They're more la. vascularized, or you know like certain. So it's like what we come to think of the taste of meat is more than just protein, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's about fat content. Yeah, basically, it's a, yeah. it's a balance of all fat these content, components. but also the diet of the animal. Absolutely mm. right. Yeah. So. 
So when they did that, it was a bit off because even at in 2013, the technology was still right. very new. And you know how much a cost one one uh, the cost of one of those hamburgers was two hundred eighty thousand dollars. Right. It was really really really. But you really know expensive. what? I just saw this very funny. Um. So there's this hilarious Instagrammer who's uh, this sexy man. Um. Jordan Firstman. He does the impressions. Mm-hmm. He's so gorgeous. I don't know who he is. Well, okay. Okay. Jordan Firstman. He does these impressions. Uh, whatever. He's like a famous. Um. He's a film. Instagrammer. He's a la. film writer, director, oh, actor, whatever. But more he also than does that. these hilarious. Instagram impressions. He did an impression right. yesterday of um, a film editor from the for a movie editor from the 1930s being told about TikTok oh. and going like, "What do you mean that a 25 year old now has the ability to edit a film on the go?" He's like, "What do you mean? There's millions of films being made because you know." So yeah. I think like the the initial uptake of any technology is always going to be like incredulous, yeah, la, like magical, la. But maybe you know, give it 50 years, exactly, right? yeah. yeah, and it will just like become accessible yeah right so so like that was 2013 where it had the $280,000 hamburger patty and now it's 2020 and we're selling in Singapore it Mm. just doesn't want to tell us how much the cost of their chicken meat is there's a lot of secrecy behind because as I said intellectual property but I'm assuming if they are if they think they can sell it to uh, high-end restaurants because that's their market right now I think it must be quite competitively priced pause you there for a moment what do you mean what high-end restaurants go to sell chicken nuggets so uh so what they can do with the chicken nuggets or they're calling it also chicken bites is that they can put it in a garden salad so they can they can they can place it in a different way like you said like like what we talked about it's mince right so they can shape it ah right so they can they can play around with it a little bit okay but why high end restaurants because it's still a little bit too expensive ah. that's that's all i know from okay, my okay, from my okay. research i i i know that they are trying to bring it down and this will take uh some time like basically this actually just makes me think a lot of like impossible meats obviously uh-huh. which is a different strain of science right that one is all plant based yeah but it's fantastic so that I has know. a very strong food science kind of approach right where right. they basically isolated different kinds of flavonoids in food and said how can we find plant based alternatives to the flavonoids that make meat so yeah, satisfying yeah just mimic it yeah la. and I've had an Impossible Burger. I Have love, you? It's really good. Oh, uh, nice enough. Yeah, I'm a beef. I love beef, right? Right. And, but, and I'm obvi- I've been trying to cut down my red meat. So mm. when I had the Impossible Burger, I was like, oh, this is really, really good. Is it like real? Yeah. It's something about the beetroot and the and the and I don't know how they isolated this I, I the irony flavonoids, but it really tastes like you're chowing really? down on bloody meat. Oh my god. Yeah. And I just thought. That's pretty magical, lah. Okay. Yeah, and you know, like no, it's fantastic, lah. Yeah, la. this this feels a little honestly, like scientifically more wow, but like culinarily a bit more, uh, you know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, it's like I I in like first of all, like minced chicken, not my favorite thing to work with. Yeah, but you know, yeah. I was excited about this because when that impossible burger thing came came along, because it mimicked beef, I still haven't tried it because I cannot stomach beef. Ah, uh, it started off as a religious you thing. Stomach the taste of beef. I cannot. Right. So it started off as a religious thing. So I I as I was brought up a Hindu, right? So mm. didn't eat beef and everything. Now I'm like, whatever. But uh, the religion-wise, I'm whatever. So I can technically eat beef if I wanted to. You but just the idea have, yeah. turns my you stomach. You just don't have the stomach for it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I have no access to this impossible meat thing. So I was very excited when this chicken thing came out. Like, yes! Right. You know? Like, in terms of the ethics of, you know, of rearing animals, I'm all for it. I mean, are there any ethical concerns with this though? Yes, which yeah. brings us to the downsides. Oh, you know the go. nutrient fluid that you were, you, you were asking me about? Don't tell me it's taken from like aborted fetuses or whatever. Wow, well done. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> are you kidding? No, no, no. Okay, oh. close, close, close. So, the chicken cells are grown in this very, very nutrient-rich serum called fetal bovine serum, which 
actually I've used in a lab before as I was doing my undergraduate research. It is it is basically from uh it's uh it's from a pregnant cow. The amniotic fluid? Yeah, so it's from fetal calves. And where do you get access to fetal calves from a pregnant cow? La. So to actually get this medium, a pregnant cow needs to be slaughtered. <laughs> Sorry, that just defeats the whole thing. Right. Like just like we don't kill one chicken, but we kill one cow. So I, d- I don't know if it's an immediate write-off. It is a balance. Okay, so like, if we can if we can produce thousands of kgs of chicken meat with just maybe a hundred cows that we slaughtered, is that not a good thing? Wow, are you the Joker? No, but are you the Joker in like Batman Returns? That the cows were going to be slaughtered anyway for beef. Ah, uh, so what is the trade-off here? I feel this is very transitional, lah. As in, there will be a solution that's found at some point. Yes, right? and Eat Just had the, the company that's coming to Singapore or uh, has given or uh, were given rights to sell their chicken meat here, right? Has developed an animal-free nutrient solution oh, to yay. grow the cells, but it hasn't been given approval yet. Ah, okay. So the, the chicken meat that's going to grow in here is going to use low levels of that fetal bovine syndrome, but it's going to use it anyway. Right. Okay. So so yeah, so some people who, who say that this is 100% uh, slaughter-free, it's not like, it's not 100% slaughter-free. Like, you would still need to kill a cow to get this chicken. Right. <laughs> in a very bizarre twist, you need to kill a cow does to this, get the chicken. Does this not remind you of the 90s cartoon... <laughs> Cow, cow and chicken. chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Little hate, did that show know that how f- how powerfully prophetic it was. Yeah, being. right. Oh yeah. my god, it's they crazy. Brother and sister, chicken and cow, yoked forever <laughs> in a in a battle of like destruction. Yeah, it's so poetic. So 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 there's that. Oh, okay, no. so that, that this is one of the bad things. Poor there cow. are of course other considerations when it comes to lab grown meat. The second one is some studies actually show that uh, if this industry takes off and we produce meat for the world it might actually produce more greenhouse gases in the long run. Because? Because you need you need the infrastructure, uh, you need less, so all these things. But that's, that um, is a bit iffy because many of those studies, people think are funded by big beef or whatever because mm. where are the farmers going to go? Mm. If meat is produced in a lab, what happens to them? Mm. So it's a bit of a, what's, what's going to happen there kind of God, situation. Isn't it amazing how information gets distorted by these interests? Right. And you just like, you never, you don't know anymore exactly. what is true. You really need to go in yeah. deep, deep there for these things mm. so that you actually know what is truth. Yeah. The other thing, and I thought this was really important, especially for Singapore, is is this meat halal slash kosher? Ah. So uh, some um, people who are really interested with this, like the, the food scientists, right? They actually went to speak to religious um, heads and say like, can these foods be made halal or kosher? And many of them actually said yes. Right, because there's no slaughter involved. Yeah, so they said, right. yeah, it's okay. As long as the biopsy was taken, I, I can't remember exact phrasing, but I think as long as the biopsy was done in a Humanely. specific way, right, right. Um, where you get the cells, right, and the cow that was slaughtered to get the fetal bovine it's syndrome, it's done in a halal or kosher way, then everything is kind of okay. Mm. Yeah, but that was an important important thing, I think. Mm. Many people want to make sure that the food that they eat is halal or kosher if you fall in that religious group. La. Right. Right? The last thing, of course, that if can you imagine if we start growing meat in a lab, uh, then we reduce the number of cows, maybe reduce the number of goats, the chicken, goats, chickens, everything. How might that affect the ecosystem? We depend on livestock farms to get rid of uh, veget- vegetation waste, for example, because like so many animals for grazing, right? So if we have vegetation waste, we just give it to them. Mm. And so this this creates like a, a an industry of sorts. Mm. So if the number of livestock drops, what happens to that vegetation waste? Where's this vegetation waste from? For example, maybe clearing of forests or, <laughs> or, or, you know, like if uh, ugly fruit, ugly vegetables, what right, happens to right. them? You know, so 
there needs to be a uh, rebalancing of the ecosystem. You see, la. this just points to how, right, this ultimately feels like a fairly superficial stopgap measure mm. in what needs to be a very fundamental reevaluation of the way we live. Yeah. Right? Like, being able to synthesize chicken meat in a lab is not going to solve the climate crisis. I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah. <laughs> so, there is this local uh, food production, uh, lab-grown meat production company, a local one called Shok Meats, <laughs> who is taking this... Shok Meats also a kind of gay sex act. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Wow, you, you only do in the sauna, your, your is it? Your meat very short. <laughs> your meat very short. You gross. Yeah. So this one, this one, they're taking it one step further. They are making lab-grown shrimp, okay, from shrimp stem cells, and they're using the shrimp meat to make dumplings. Mm. They actually plan to go one step further by equipping, they envision a future where every house is inqui- equipped with a bioreactor fit for the kitchen. So like a, like a microwave, you know, and the CEO of Shook Meats, uh, uh, Dr. Sandhya Sriram, shout out to minority woman scientist who's... Ah! Paving, you know, yes, wonderful sis. parts. She said that if people can make bread, beer, and wine at home, why can't they make their own meats at home? Surely we can work towards this. Mm. Yeah. So for now, they, they've actually done it in the lab. They they made a siumai that unfortunately cost one hundred fifty dollars <laughs> because it's very expensive. Oh, that just sounds like uh, the siumai at Marina Bay Sands <laughs> coup d'état. Yeah. Correct. Right, right. the, 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 the wagyu truffle Yellow. siumai one hundred fifty dollars. Mm. <laughs> but can you imagine, like, if you wanted to cook? You just switch on the bioreactor, you buy cells, you switch on the bioreactor, and then in half an hour, you get meat that you can then cook with. Um, and that is the future that Dr. Sandhya is envisioning. Yeah, I feel like I've seen versions of this in various sci-fi movies. Jetsons? Uh. No, Star Wars, Jetsons, Star Trek. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah Star Trek has a very interesting food, develop- uh, food oh, yeah? system where you just press something, like you press like um, steak, and then like it materializes. That's in the- fascinating. Yeah. Science fiction has already, I think, imagined versions of this. Yeah. Um, because, like, you know, writers are infinitely imaginative people. They are, they are. Yeah. <laughs> but, then, like, <laughs> but then the actual implementation of the idea is... Takes a lot of time. Yeah, la. this is but, also fascinating. But can you imagine, like, having that? I think it's so cool. The main question is, would, since it's landing on our shores, would you, Singaporeans, dear listeners who are from Singapore, would you eat the meat? Would you eat the meat? Would you eat the meat also sounds like... Uh, <laughs> A gay club night. Yeah. Would you eat the meat? <laughs> eat the meat. Eat the meat. Would I eat the meat? Yes, of course. I also, you know. Would provided, I enjoy it? Provided Different question. that it was a reasonable cost, competitively cost. I don't want to buy like a $10 nugget for three, three pieces of $10. Nah, $10 three see, pieces see, see, this is the thing, right? Where actually, this is the attitude that we need to reevaluate. Demand, Chris. Correct. Uh, no. Why should you expect to pay so little for meat? Yala. I, I don't know. I, I think that if you want, if you are just introducing something into the market, you want to make it easy access as possible. Think about new water. Mm. When new water hits Singapore, people are like, ah, I'm drinking my pee. Actually, other countries are already doing this for the longest time, yeah. right? But it took a lot for people to um to change their minds. People, uh, The new water company give, started giving off like free right. new water At bottles. NDP, right? Yeah, yeah, and then people slowly, going, st- slowly started mm, going... doesn't taste of pee. Yeah, it's okay. Mm. La, it's actually okay. And now it's like norm. Mm. So I think like you lower the access first as much as possible to let people yeah. have access to it. La. Yeah, which is why I thought like the choice to only supply to high-end restaurants, I can understand as a, an, as a, a, stop, a stopgap measure, but like, you know, eventually that cannot be the case. La. Yeah, I mean, Impossible Burger started like that as well. It was high-end. To be and fair, then- 
yeah, went Impossible downwards. Burger is still kind of expensive. But like definitely okay. a lot more widespread than it used to be. For sure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the future of food, y'all. Mm, om nom 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 nom. Don't eat meat, but eat the meat. <laughs> eat the meat. Do you want to eat the meat? Oh my God, stop, sister. <sighs> sure people stop listening already. <laughs> yeah, and this is why we are not we a famous podcast. <laughs> Alrighty, and that brings us to the end of our 30th episode. episode. Oh my god, we've been doing this for, for what, since April, haven't we? Yeah, basically, we, you know, this is an archive of the pandemic. <laughs> you know, know what, a little bit, you know. It's an archive of our friendship. Our friendship, lasses. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, we are not yet a famous podcast, lah, huh? Mm, and you to know? that end? To that end, <laughs> please, if you are so inclined, follow and like our post on our Instagram profile. Yes. T for two podcasts. Yes, go and find us, people. Yeah, that's where you can leave comments. Mm. You know, you can like stalk us. Correct. Yeah, you can send DMs. Mm. You oh, you could just look at our shenanigans. Yeah, you know, ask me out on a date because Joe is single. God, yeah, yeah, do that. Correct, right? <laughs> yeah, please help us make a fam- make us a famous cock pass. Cock pass is what you want. Yeah, <laughs> I would like a cock pass, please. Pass the cock. Correct. Thank you very much. Just make us a famous podcast, y'all. Thanks, everyone. We love you, our dear listeners, for following us through 30 episodes of yes. our chicanery. Shenanigans and nonsense. Unbelievable. Thank Here's you so much. to another much. 30 more episodes. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we'll become like rich from it. Lah, huh? Hopefully. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. This has been Joel signing off. This is Kishan signing off. Bye bye.